Everybody likes to make money. That's why we have a show called Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, and we've been talking about real estate for the past couple of weeks, Ron. A lot of different areas to delve into. We we touched on, we kind of made a sort of a an offhand remark about rental properties that, you know, it's not for everybody because you are the landlord and that can involve a lot of different things, calls in the middle of the night when the furnace doesn't work and things of that nature. But those are minor interruptions. What do we want to look at if we're thinking about investing in real estate and using the investment as a rental property? Well, probably the most important thing is you have to think like a tenant. And that means you need to buy property in areas where there's shopping, there's universities. And, you know, just an offhanded tip, if you're buying near the university, rent to married grad students or rent to kids, especially married grad students with kids, or rent to professors. Otherwise, you're going to have a frat house. But, (laughs) you know, there again, I'm just the the reason I'm mentioning this is you've got to walk through the process because the prime directive, if you can say that on a financial show and not on Star Trek, is that you have to get good tenants. And how do you attract good tenants? Well, you live in an area near a university or near shopping or or where schools and hospitals and transportation and those will attract a better class of people or they'll attract more people and from those more people you'll be able to choose people that aren't going to wreck your place because if you cut corners and you don't get good tenants it's a a big headache yeah a bad tenant can stay in there for six months they go to the tenant uh you know they go to the tenant board whatever whatever city you live in Uh, they don't pay the rent for six months they trash the place and leave uh, it can cost you, and in lost rent and in just repairs, it could cost more than you made off them in the past year. So finding a better tenant that, that it will look after the place, will stick around for a while, this is really, really important. We've got some techniques for you uh, in, in a couple minutes that we're going to be talking about. But you want to look for quality tenants and you get that by being in the right area by buying homes that need TLC in the nicest areas you can find if you fix them up you'll get a better quality tenant but what you'll also be able to do is you'll command a higher rent rate and if you fix the place up you're going to get an appreciated value so you're going to get a triple whammy a better tenant higher rent and uh, capital appreciation on the place you get. So go into the good neighborhoods. My priority was always older couples and married couples with kids. Older couples, they've grown up, and they generally don't trash places like 20-year-olds that are five guys moving into your place. And so what I would try to do is I would give married people with kids older people, I give them a discount. I might give them 15% off the rent. Of course, I'm earning less, but if I calculated into profit and loss, the fact that they might stay there for five or 10 years and the place was gonna look really good when they left, you're better off discounting it to get the better people you want. And I did things like I advertised in church bulletins. Well, yeah, why not? If people are going to church on Sunday and they're looking for a place to live, bullet in there, yeah, have a house for rent at such yeah. and such avenue, yeah. Yeah, and frankly, I would throw into the uh, offering plate percentage of the, the, the rent. 
if if they referred to me a good tenant. So, you know, usually parish uh, clergy or a minister, they pretty much knew their congregation. If somebody was looking for something, if you got a referral from these guys, it was generally pretty good. So you can do things like that. You can advertise in magazines that are magazines where people volunteer, things like that. You get a you get a a good quality type of people. In Professional profession. magazines, I guess, too, right? Yeah, yeah, engineering magazines, places like that. I found all that stuff work because I got a better quality tenant. So in rentals, it's tenant, 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 tenant. You're always pushing to find a little bit of an edge to get a better tenant and let the other tenants that are going to trash places not pay their rent, let them rent somewhere else. I hate to say that, but if you're going to be in rentals and you're going to make some money on it, at it, and you're not going to have all the headaches of missed rent and all the other things that go with it, you've really got to do your homework. And if you're not willing to do your homework, then don't go into rentals because it takes a lot of work to get a good tenant. Well, as you point out, poor quality tenants can cost you <laughs> a lot of money, right? Poor quality tenants can, can make your life so miserable and cause so much in, in lost revenue and damages that uh, uh, and complaints from neighbors and on and on it goes that it's not worth your while. Unless you can get good tenants, believe me, getting in the rental business is just a big pain in the neck. What about Airbnb? I mean, that's something that has grown exponentially here in the last few years. If you've got some space in your home you want to rent out, your home you want to rent out, is Airbnb a thing to look at? Well, typically, if you're in a place which tends to attract people that, that uh, come through and are looking for short-term rentals. For example, my, my sister-in-law in Vancouver, she's near one of the universities, so there's always people coming through and taking a course or a professor that's come through from Germany and uh, he needs a place just to crash at night and uh, he's teaching classes, on and on it goes. She was getting in a, two rooms. In one room, she couldn't rent it. It wouldn't take a long-term renter, but it was still a room you could use for Airbnb. It was just a couch to sleep on. And she, her monthly rent went from 3000 a month to 8000 a month. And it's just you can charge a lot more. Now, obviously, you're going to have to get – you're going to have to clean things yourself, and you're going to have maid services and other things. But she did a lot of that. And to have an $8,000 a month income, well, if you don't mind doing some of that work yourself. So if – you don't have the money to buy a rental property, and you're looking, you might have a suite in your basement or in, uh, a place where you can rent. Not only look at, at renting it to a single tenant, but if you're in an area which can attract a lot of interest, Airbnb might be a profitable alternative to look. Okay, so how do you, how do you calculate your rental property's cap rate? And what is a cap rate? Well, first of all, you gotta make your investment in real estate something that you can compare to other things. You've got to make it an apples to apples comparison, not apples to oranges. So basically what you end up doing to calculate your return is you take the value of the property and then you divide into it your annual rate of rent minus things like if you have insurance to pay or your repairs. And I generally put a sub-budget about 1% a year for of the value of the house for repairs and maintenance and depends where you are one percent of the value or whatever your mill rate is for the amount of uh, taxes that you're going to have to pay on it. and then i deduct that so if i had a place for example that was a million dollars and i got a hundred thousand dollars in rent well 
my cap rate would be 10%. But then I deduct from it my interest costs, like if I have a mortgage, my taxes and repairs. And so let's say that was $400 a month. Well, now I'm netting $600 uh, a month. And uh, so on a $100,000 property, that is 6%, right? So, you know, you got to take on a, a monthly cap rate, on a yearly cap rate, a little better because you got 12 months in there. But, you know, you've, go, you've got to do the calculations of your and figure out what your return is. So you take your rent, multiply it by 12, and then you subtract all your expenses, and then you divide it into what you paid. And that's what gives you your annual cap rate. And you can use this to compare one property to another. You can use it to compare it to investments like stocks and fixed income securities because it's really a yield. It's your earnings yield after you've paid your expenses. And that allows you to compare things and you can use it to help you find properties that will give you superior cash flows. Okay, so now do you have to think about what kind of leverage you can support on your rental property? And we've talked about leverage in the past. And if you look at leverage, and of course, there's a million courses out there that you can take on leverage and real estate and how it's going to make you rich. And of course, the term has been coined OPM or other people's money. (laughs) And other people's money is simply borrowing and leveraging the returns that you're going to get off the investment. So Leverage can be a very powerful influence on returns. For example, if you bought a property for cash and it went up 100%, well, your investment go up 100%. But if you borrowed 50% of that, your investment would go up 300%. If you borrowed 90% of the investment and it doubled, your return is 1,900% on your money. So if you're in a place where the market is going up, leverage can be very powerful, but you look at it from the other side. Zero leverage, if you buy a place and it goes down by 50% and you don't have a loan, well, you're only gonna lose 50%. But if you've got 50% leverage, in other words, you bought a $100,000 house, you put 50,000 up, borrowed 50,000, and the price goes down 50%, you're essentially, uh, you've lost 100% of your money. Now, if you've got 90% leverage and the market goes down 50%, you're down 500%. So leverage cuts both ways. It can make you a fortune, but can also wipe you out. Okay, so you've got to pay attention there. You really have to pay attention. Yeah, and you you can use leverage. For example, if a property generates $1,000 per month in rental income and taxes and repairs are $200 a month, that leaves $800 per month for mortgage payments and that's what you can use to, you can work backwards and figure out if you have $800 a month, how much of a mortgage can you sustain with that $800 a month without having to put more of your own money in it. And generally I like to put as much of a down payment as I can to get to the point where I don't have to subsidize a property. And especially if you've got four or five properties and all of them, you've got to put money in to pay them, you'll find in bad markets, it can wipe you out pretty quickly. Whereas if you've got an equilibrium where the property is supporting itself, it'll keep you out of trouble. Okay, there you go. So if you're going to enter into the rental market, some things to consider. Always, always exercise caution. Sit down and make yourself a plan. 
put the boxes in there. If you check all the boxes, then you should be good to go. We want to come back and do a, a final show here on, on real estate, and we're going to get into uh, commercial property and real estate investment trusts and things of those that may be a little more esoteric for some people, but they're not they're not way out there. I mean, REITs have been around for a long time and a lot of people have made a lot of money on them. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, define some of these terms. If you have a question, if we haven't touched on something here or you're not clear, drop us a line. We'll try to clarify it for you. You can reach us through cfcw.com. The show is called Making Money. The link is there. Or you can go to our website, letsmakemoney.ca. On behalf of the real estate, the real estate coach, see, I called you real estate coach, the investment coach, Ron Hebert. I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.